Welcome to Healing Voices Project, where we share stories of addiction, grief, recovery, and courage. And also from people who work every day in the field of substance abuse who discuss their experiences and advice. I'm Mike Torville, your host. Thank you all for joining us. Hello, everyone, and thanks for spending time with us here at Healing Voices Project. We're glad to have you all back. You know, we frequently have guests on who share their stories, and every one of them has had a deep emotional effect on me. It's extremely courageous to step up and share your stories, to share regrets, shame, mistakes, or behavior that may have broken families or have had a devastating effect on other people. And it's another thing entirely to open up about a family loss, um, especially a child, if, if a child was lost to substance abuse. And so our visitor today um, is Katie Shea, who has a lot to share about her own experiences and also losing a son. So Katie, Katie Shea, thank you so much for coming and, and sharing um, your story, and I know you've got a lot to talk about. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Sure. Um, and I know you've got your own experiences with alcoholism. And, and by the way, what you're doing now, you're working with the Michael J. Diaz Foundation. Yes. Make sure we talk about that quite yes, a bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you, so let's, let's start with that real quick and then we'll say what, what brought you there. Um, so you work at the, you spend your days at the Michael J. Diaz Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, no, um, what, it, what it actually is, is um, after my son passed, I started up a GoFundMe page, mm -hmm. and I was um, I was amazed and, and humbled by the amount of, of money that it actually generated, um, and I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with it. And um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to you know work with sober houses because I know that like my son had a difficult time. Um, getting into sober houses and staying in sober houses. Um, he was he was definitely a revolving door kind of um, addict, which many are. And it's it's tough when when you've already gone through so many houses, people, you know, kind of don't want you because they, you know, they see that. Um, but anyway, I, um, I, I tried to get in touch with a couple of sober houses that didn't really respond to me. And then when I was in touch with... Um, the Michael J. Diaz house, they were overwhelmingly um, um, accepting. Um, they 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 welcomed me with open arms, um, and they they said whatever you want to do with this money, however you want to work it, is is fine with us. And I'm trying to go. Um, I'm trying to go toward the um, food. I'm trying to go. Nutrition, okay. healthy habits. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my focus. Yeah. Because when my son was eating well and when he was exercising, that's when he was his strongest. In his mind as well, not just his body. So that's kind of where I want to put my focus on that. So you've been um, involved with the program since last spring. Is that nope. Uh, my, my son died um, um, in May. In May of 2021. Of 2021. And I, um, 
I found out, uh, I, I came with them um, probably around the end of the summer where we started talking. Okay. Okay. Your son was Brandon. Yes. Brandon. Yes. Uh, now, prior, and we'll, we're going to get into Brandon and what you went through with that because uh, it's still, it's not quite a year, obviously. Right. So, but prior to that, I know you had your own experiences and uh, you've been sober for 30 years, yeah. right? I am. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. Thirty years is, yeah. is uh, it's another lifetime, which is great. Right. <laughs> um, but prior to that, you you went through um, drinking mm-hmm. excessively, as you said, and there were times when even when you were younger. Now, can you talk a little bit about how that started, how it evolved, and and what got you to stop? Well, I um, when I was when I was a kid, I, I kind of always felt kind of a little awkward. Um, and, you know, going into teenage years, it always gets worse. Any, anything is exacerbated once you get into teenage years if it's negative because, you know. Um, Things but, become bigger problems oh, than they really yeah, are. Oh, yeah, everything's yeah. a problem when yeah. you're a teenager. Yeah. Um, and I started drinking when I was 15 and um, drink to excess every time, every single time. No moderation I, there. I no, never no. had a drink in my life, Never. Um, it was always to black out, brown out, pass out, you know, whatever. Um, but once I started drinking, I felt like, well, I'm a, I'm a little out of control, but now I'm not responsible. For Some of that awkwardness went away? Did, 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 the awkwardness, I didn't care about that when I drank yeah. because it didn't matter because nothing mattered. You know, I, I just felt... Like, I could do whatever I wanted, and it didn't matter. So, and I did that for a bunch of years, and then, um, you know, through high school, and I went into my first detox when I was 19. Wow. What happened at detox? Um, it scared me, but not to the point of not drinking anymore. You know, um, I, I drank again, and, um, you know, I would go through periods of time where I would stop for a little bit, but I, I just couldn't. I just didn't. At that point, I, 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 I didn't know what it was like to not drink. Everything was revolved around drinking. If you go to the beach, you drink. If you go to the movies, you drink. If you go out to dinner, you drink. It doesn't matter what you do, you drink. And once you fall into those circles of people, you don't know how to get out, you know? And it's not like anybody's bad, but that's just the way they live. Yes. Right? Um, and you find yourself really not associating with people who don't drink. Correct, because why would you want to do that? They don't want to drink, so what's wrong with them? Right, right, right. Um, so this went on for a while. You Did you go into detox again or any rehabs? How did that go for um, the following years? I don't know. Like back in the day, I we didn't. it didn't seem like there was a lot of those types As of things. As there are today. As I mean, there are yeah, today, right, right. right. I did go into AA, and I did go into the rooms, and I and I and it kind of ruined my drinking as far as that goes um it because, ruined your drinking yeah wow. yeah yeah mm. that's what aa does to you everyone's your drinking because now you now you have a conscience <laughs> <laughs> it was easier they, without one they give you a conscience <laughs> they do um yeah. life is very, easier without a conscience right yeah yeah, yeah. but they're very accepting you know so every yeah. time you go out drinking and you come back they're like welcome back you know it's like okay, okay. come yeah. on back in you know yeah. nobody's judgmental yeah and as you went through this, can you see, looking back, what worked or what didn't work? What, what components of that program made a difference? Um, just being involved. Okay. 
you know, they say, you know, you got to jump in with both feet and not just tiptoe in. Because if you tiptoe in, you're going to just get pulled back out. Yeah. You know, it's familiarity. You know, you're familiar with those people that drink. But if you cross into AA, now you've got to be familiar with those people. And that's hard because alcoholics don't like change. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to change. Change is uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. Yeah. But you, you went on like this until you were how old? Um. Um, well, I got sober when I... So I got sober when I was 27. I, I really don't think about that. But you had a child. I did. I did. And your child at that time was about a year and a half, mm -hmm. and you were still drinking. I was drinking, but it wasn't as it bad as it was as before. As right. Before. It was it was more like I would have like a binge drinking, and then I would go for you know a couple months, and then I would binge. Mm -hmm. And so you had your your child, and um, but there was an event, um, something you'd heard that hit you hard oh yeah you want to oh, talk yeah. about that yeah um i hope i can get through it without <laughs> we'll help you We're thanks here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i was in an aa meeting and um this girl started talking and she started talking about her friend and her friend had um a child that was a year and a half old and it was a boy and um her friend died of alcohol poisoning or she choked or whatever it was, how, however she died. It was but the result of alcohol. It was the result of alcohol. And this was when she was in her own apartment. She was in her own apartment yeah. with her year-and-a-half-old son, mm -hmm. and she died. And that child was in that room for several days with her, his mom's dead body. And I said, that will never happen to my son. You, at the time, had a son the same age. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brandon and, was a year-and-a-half at that time. And so that hit you like a... To use the ton of bricks that oh, yeah. that knocked you over. Oh yeah, totally knocked me over, and I never drank again. And and you didn't. Mm -mm. Nope. And that was in 1991. One. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, some things work, and some things don't. That worked. Right. And sometimes the impact of those stories hits you harder than anything else. And this is partly why we're doing this because mm -hmm. sometimes the stories that reach out and you never know who, who who's going to relate to it or right. have an effect on, on someone. Um, so after that, you you said that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, my son, and he's a year and a half, and, and I can't imagine that ever happening. Mm -hmm. But you also had that to think, I've put myself in a position for that to happen. Right. Many times. Many times. So were you married at the time? I was not. Uh, okay, so you were a single parent? Yeah. Okay, so again, more important that you knew uh, the only person your son relies on is you right. at the time. So right. that was that was important. But how, did you have anything else that, that supported you through your sobriety after that? Or was it just you on your own? No, my family was always there. Yeah. Um, and, um, but they didn't know, they didn't know anything about any, I mean, nobody had like, problems with alcohol you know in my family where you would go to aa it was and just accepted so, right and, and, and it was yeah it was like they, they didn't they didn't kind of understand why i had to go to aa they're just like just stop drinking just, just stop just drinking. say no that's all there is to it right right, yeah. right which is yeah. you know uh, right right um and so you they understood to a point but not and they supported you oh yeah but yeah 
But did you go to any programs after that, or did you need to? I did. I did one rehab at one point in time. Mm. It was. Um, it was in Westfield. It was the old Quarry Hill. Okay. It, it was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that, and I, and that was very. Um, that was that was kind of that was before right before I got pregnant, um, that I went to Quarry Hill. And and I learned a lot there. Yeah. You know. Um, so there was a little foundation there. But mm-hmm. again, like AA, yeah. you know. Um so that was that was a good thing that I did that. But again, it was um I think that was the only actual rehab that I went to. Okay. I went to a couple detoxes when on State Street when they had the detox up on the top floor of the hospital. Okay. I was at that once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point. So you did learn some of the foundations mm-hmm. and, and it helped you, obviously, yeah. knowing some of that. But yeah. after that, you just said, okay, I'm going to barrel through this because there's nothing that's ever going um, to happen. Like, like to that that story that you heard that, yeah. that hit you. So you, you stop drinking, you pull yourself out of that. Uh, bringing up your son. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I, I want to uh, say that I, I still went to AA like every day. Okay. Like, every day. That's what I mean. Yeah. So you had oh, ongoing yeah. support through oh, yeah, AA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every okay. day. Yeah. Every day for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that helped. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that yeah. was, that was, was totally, um, if, if I didn't do that, I don't know if I would have been able to, but I just immersed myself in mm-hmm. AA. Okay. Like I went every day. I went to meetings. I went I went to um, uh, to different kind of groups. Yeah. Um, Speeching engagements here and there. Okay, you immersed yourself, as oh, you said. I did. Yeah, you were I did. Your, yeah. I did. Okay, and and as you went through that, and your son's growing up, and then later on, and kind of now sort of shift to your son's story because as he became a teenager, um, how did he he started getting involved with? Was it drinking or was it? Did it start off as drinking? And, well, you know, uh, he, 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 he liked skateboarding. Okay. Um, and yeah. there, I guess there were a couple kids maybe there that liked to drink. Yeah. He wasn't really one of them. He did drink a little bit, but it he got in trouble one time, and that was it um, for drinking. And uh, he told me, he's like, I don't, I don't, it's just I not don't his like thing. to be out of control. Okay. So that's where I thought, okay, so... We don't have, he didn't get that gene. We're good. Mm-hmm. What changed? Um, well, he moved in with his dad. And um, because he and I just, I, I was the overprotective parent and he needed space. and Like, anyway, he was a teenager. Like, right, right. So, right. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was, a, it was yeah. a tough thing. And yeah. uh, so we went through a lot. And um, so he ended up moving in with his dad. And we all thought that that was probably the best choice at this point. Because, like I said, I was a little overbearing maybe and probably... Yeah. With good reason, yeah. but okay, you're um, a parent, you know. Yeah, so, um, but then he started, you know, his father worked nights, and he was doing well for a while, and he was saving up all kinds of money, and, um, but he he always had gastrointestinal issues, you know, he, he played baseball, he was an amazing baseball player, um, but he didn't want to play anymore because he always had stomach problems, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he, he found um, someone that gave him some Percocet and they're like here take this it'll make you feel better okay so he did and he did and he kept taking them. and he kept taking them because it was free at first mm-hmm. you know and then okay now it's going to cost you so now he's losing all of his money 
and now he's getting into other things where he's selling things. And so he's getting into trouble. And the progression just, you know, went on. And I didn't know any of this because, you know, I didn't live with him. Right. And um, he started having breathing problems. Where's that coming from? Where is that coming from? To the point where I remember one day he was in his car and um, he wouldn't unlock the door. And I'm screaming and he's like (gasps) gasping for breath. And I'm like, what Did he heck? have asthma or was there no, something you thought? No, not, he, he had nothing like that. So you that. had no idea? I what, had no idea. Okay. And apparently um, when when you snort cocaine or whatever, you can get it caught in your lungs. Okay. And, and that's where it started. Plus, heroin does that. It slows down your, your body. And then when you try to bring it back up again, I, I'm not sure of the medical portion of it, but... He, he just started having more. And, and at that time, though, you didn't know what's causing it because no you had no idea, idea he I was using no any idea. kind of drugs. None. So, None. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after that incident, when did you find out? When did it, it hit you that he was using? Um, we were on the way to the doctor. I was taking him to Boston because I'm like, we're done. We're yeah. done. I'm taking you to Boston. Yeah. And so we went as on, on the drive to Boston. That's when he fessed up. And he's like, Mom, I, I've used heroin. And I'm like, what, what? You know, me being an alcoholic drinking, never in a million years thinking heroin? Yeah. What, what is that? What, that's, that's a 1970s thing that. Heroin, is, at the, right. It, right? Yeah. And at the time too, you had said that he said that he didn't want to ever be out of control. So this is hitting you like this right. doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. And it took a long time for him to like really go through everything because of course you're ashamed and you're hiding things. And so by the time I found out everything and every single time I found something new, I'd have to go back and go, okay, so now, now what do I do? Hmm. Because he would lie and he would steal and he would do all those things that was totally out of character for my child. Right. You know? Right. Who is this? Right. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So this, did he go to rehab? Well, see, and that's how that all went with with, with rehabs, you know, um, detoxes. Oh, you can't go into a detox unless you're high. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Hmm. I didn't have to do that, you know. But then I found out later it's because they won't give you the certain kind of drugs to help you detox Okay. if you're not high. Right. And you just sit there and you're miserable and you've got to be go to these different little meetings and this and that and you're just miserable. And plus, you already have the gastrointestinal problem and it's it. yeah. exacerbated mm-hmm. because... That's tough. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't work the way it should have. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think that the detoxes work the way they should. But, I mean, I'm coming from a mom's point of view. I'm not mm-hmm. coming from the medical point of view. A professional point yeah. of view. But, yeah, that's... A, yeah. Um, and so how did uh, he, he kept using? Yep. Yep. He kept using and he couldn't stop. And he, um, you know, at some point he probably should have been medicated. Um, don't know when that was, but I, we, we definitely missed the mark and he went rehab and detox and rehab. So, you know, the, the one in Springfield, the one in Holyoke, the one in Worcester, you know, and and then you go from the detox to the um, 
to the TSS, no, the CSS, and then from the CSS to the TSS, and then you're supposed to go to the three-quarters house, and then you're supposed to go to a sober house, and so there's a whole way to do this. But I don't know that. Of course, and I was just going to say, no one could possibly know what that whole process is, if it's first, especially if it's the first time you're going through it. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what What happens now? Right. And then you're hearing all this confusing information, mm-hmm. right? So you're obviously a little overwhelmed by this. I was completely overwhelmed, yeah. and I had no idea what to do. Yeah. And, and I just I just did what, at the moment, I thought was right. Mm-hmm. You know, because the bottom line is, my child could die at any given moment. That was always in the back of my head. Yeah. You know, because overdose, overdose. You know, I went to um, a place, and I got... Uh, Narcan at one point because I'm like I need to know how to use this. Yeah. And my father, who he stayed with my father for a while, um, got him trained him. My father's 80 years old. Now he's got to train him how to use Narcan. It's something so foreign to him, right? Yeah. And to you even, yeah. but but especially for him. Uh, yeah, because you you start to think about things that you thought previously were unthinkable. Like right. why would I ever have to think about right. having to save my son's life and doing this. And as this went on, and again, we talk about this a lot here in the podcast, what people don't know, and that's why we're trying to share the information, because if somebody is encountering this for the first time, well, a couple things. Mistakes are made because they make some assumptions that are incorrect, or they go to the wrong resource and enable and all these things that make things worse rather than better. Mm -hmm. Learning it on the go. is something that I'm sure if you look back, you probably look back and say, I should have done this instead of that. Oh, every minute of every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but at least now, and maybe there's somebody listening who can, who's going through what you went through then, right? You can mm-hmm. say, okay, well, what do what do I do? Now looking back, and is there any glaring moment or something that happened that you wished you had done differently i'm sure there's lots of them but is there something that was the the number one thing i wish i had known oh there's just so many i mean i yeah Yeah. i couldn't i couldn't even i couldn't even put it into one because it's it's so complex and the only thing that i can say is i wish i had known all of it as soon as it started and and i guess that's what i was getting to the earlier you know what the better to state the obvious but the thing is the sooner you know, and if the minute that somebody has even a suspicion or a thought or the beginnings of this is to inform yourself as much as you can right. about all of it, as much as all of it means. And, and you know, right. back back yeah. when back at that point, things were different than they are now. Yes. So things were are a lot different now. Yes. A lot in just in just several years. And the the whole process has changed and the way people look at things, although the stigma is still there, which is a, which is huge. I was never the person that said, not my son. I was the person that said, how could this happen, but not, not my son? Because it can happen to anybody, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. Of course. You know? Um, and at that, you know, the, a lot of people hide it at first because they don't want anybody to know their kid is doing and that's heroin. That's very common. And I didn't yeah. care. You yep. know, I he he cared. <laughs> of course, he cared. Yeah, well. I didn't care because yeah. I was looking for answers, and I didn't care who I was asking. And he would get mad at me, and he's like, "Mom, stop telling people this stuff." And I'm like, "I need answers. You're not telling me what I need to know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're lying. I need to know." Mm-hmm. 
because I can't help you unless I know. Right. And how are you going to get the information? You can't rely on the person who's using for right. the information, right. obviously. Right, because his, his ideas of what should happen are skewed. Yeah. Because he just wants to be out of pain. That's the bottom line. What, what events brought you to May last year? May of 2020, I received a phone call from him after not hearing from him for a while, and he said, Mom, I give up. This is May of 2020. May of 2020. Uh -huh. It was actually May 10th of 2020. Mm -hmm. First, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, where are you? I'm coming to get you. I went to get him, and I brought him to um, the Greenfield Detox. He's like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I was thrilled. It was Mother's Day. So he went to detox. He went to the through the whole thing, went into a sober house. Um, everything was going great. He was getting healthy. He was eating right. He was doing all the right things. It was the most amazing summer. Everybody, you know, else had a rotten 2020, but you know what? He's back. 2020, yeah, 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 my, I got yeah. my son back. Yeah. You know, and, and we had conversations and... And then he went skateboarding one day and he fell and he dislocated his elbow. Now, dislocating your elbow is not like dislocating your shoulder. I mean, you can pop that right back in a lot of times. It's painful, but it's you painful, can do it. but you yeah, can yeah, do it, yeah. and it's and it's pretty straightforward. Your elbow is a different story, yeah, because your arm is just kind of it's dangling, just, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, he went to the hospital, and the hospital that he was not allowed to be in because he got high in the bathroom one day, he was redlined from that hospital, but he could be treated there. But he couldn't stay. But he couldn't. But he couldn't uh, be a be a visitor there. Oh, he could not step foot in that hospital without being a patient. I gotcha. Okay. All right. They shot him up with fentanyl to reduce his elbow. That was the beginning of the end. This was the first of December in 2020, and he couldn't recover from that. He tried. He, it brought it all right back. It brought it all right back, and he got high again. Back to the hospital, back and forth. You know, he pulled it together for a couple months, but then he just couldn't keep it together, and then. On May 9th, I talked to him on the phone, and I thought he sounded a little, a little um, high, um, but I didn't know things that had happened previously, and had I known, I would have never let him be alone, because he got high that day. He got high on heroin, and I didn't know that. You couldn't tell? I, nope. Nope. I thought maybe he was taking some Percocet because I knew that he was going through stuff, you know, and I, I thought maybe he had taken a pill and I kept asking him, are you okay? He's like, no, Ma, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So, and I'm thinking what had happened is, is they gave him something in the hospital or I, I don't know. I actually don't even know because I don't know. Um, and then I called him the next morning to make sure that he was up for work and there was no answer. And so I called his father, who lived a couple houses away, mm -hmm. and at this point in time, because he was doing really well, you know, um, up until December. Mm -hmm. And uh, so his father went to the house, and he found him. He found him, and then he, he called you. 
yeah, well, he called me as soon as he got to the yeah, house and said, I can't open the door, I'm calling the cops, and it was a nightmare. And then and then they got him in the ambulance, and the people at the ambulance wouldn't let me in because of stupid COVID, and I'm like, I don't really care. I don't care. Everybody get out of the ambulance. I don't care. It's my son. Right. And then they, w- then they told me that they were going to one hospital, they went to another. It was just horrific. It was a horrific day all, all the way around. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that, and all that you'd, you'd gone through and end of the ups where you thought he's back and yeah. then and then you go back through through the elbow injury yeah. um thanks for sharing that because there are people who were enduring going through what you what you've gone through and don't know where to go and in the dangers of injuries and we hear this a lot mm-hmm. especially you know whether it's oxy whether it's fentanyl or any other painkiller believe me um there's so many things that, that could go wrong. And again, you, you, you couldn't have done anything. No. You can't look back and say, well, you know, you just can't see what, what could have changed, honestly, because you, you know that these events just, just happened. And um, as you said earlier, somebody said, why don't you just stop? just yeah just quit drinking well you can't just say just stop using the drugs it doesn't work that way um and again if others are listening um if you are i think the thing that katie said most often is um getting the information early the earlier the better and to to intercept this right and don't deny what's going on don't don't sugarcoat it just look for answers and you know try to find places that are going to help you like like a sober house and you know i'm not going to slam any sober houses but there are sober houses that make money and there are sober houses that care yeah so you've got to find the ones that care and and again your association now the michael j ds foundation and you found that that's one that Mm -hmm. stuck with you they (laughs) care they stuck with you and you stuck with them yeah um and by the way that's the m diazfoundation.org, correct? Mm-hmm. M-D-I-A-S? Oh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I, I won't misspell that one. <laughs> but uh, M-J-D-I-A-S, foundation.org. So to learn more about it, and you're right, they have a fantastic reputation. And they have several sober houses, right? They and, have, yeah. yes, they have two. Um, and then they have um, another, well, there's there's three, but two I'll let them explain. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll get to that, too. Um, All right. Well, I know we've got uh, sort of running out of time. And again, Katie, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Of course. Um, Hopefully, right, it'll help people. But I'm I'm really appreciative of of you spending time with us. So um, we'll be talking along the way. And uh, everybody, thanks for joining us here. I hope this information was useful. And again, you can always contact us at Healing Voices Project. Thanks for listening, and thank you again, Katie. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right.